0: Everybody have two cups of coffee this morning, feeling refreshed, got that hour, I mean lost that hour, I want to be that guy who's able to control the time, don't you want to be? I do, but I'm thankful like I told the first service this morning, I'm thankful that you have joined us at Heritage Community Church instead of Bedside Community Church, I am thankful for that. But my name is Hux. I'm the youth pastor here, and it is always a privilege to be with you all this morning. Here's my first question for all of you. What gets to you? What gets to you? We'll get you all in a tizzy, get you fired up, get you upset. If you had to ask yourself, man, what gets to me? What is it? I'm gonna show you a series of pictures and I want you to tell me if this gets to you. So I know we have some kids in the room and parents are in the room. Parents, tell me if this gets to you. I'll show you this first picture. Some of you are like, that was my house when I left this morning. It was mass chaos. I had to kick them out of bed. Some of you are like, nope. They were dragging me out of bed. <laughs> Nobody are like, man, that gets to me. All right. Let's see this next one. The amount of memes, the amount of posts that I've seen in the last week, I'm with you. I was like 20 cents each day. This is getting old. Stop climbing. I don't want to bike to church. I do not. But gas prices get to us a little bit, don't they? They do. Here's this next picture. Easy now. Easy now. Easy. Easy easy. Some of you don't leave. Some of you are like about to get up and leave. Don't leave because here's this next picture. Man, man. some of you are like, what are you doing, Hux? Do you want a job next week? (laughs) All right, what about this next one? kneeling during the anthem? Oh, no, you didn't. Some of you, I mean, I saw some posts. I've seen them. Oh, I've seen them. All right, here's the next one. Vaccine or no vaccine? Is anybody feeling uncomfortable this morning? Yeah? Okay, here's this next one. What if we put that sign on the door before you guys walked in this morning, mass, record, some of you are like, I ain't going to that church, right? Because it happened, it did. But here are things that get to us and I could have gotten y'all even more riled up. I've already gotten some of you riled up. I have. But what gets to you? This is what I really believe with all my heart and Paul's gonna get to it here in Romans chapter nine. But here's the bottom line. What gets to me? should be where people spend eternity. What gets to me should be where people spend eternity. But is that the biggest thing that gets to us? Is that the biggest thing that gets us all upset, gets us all emotional, gets us posting stuff on Facebook? I mean, come on now. Because we get riled up about a lot of things. But I can tell you this to be true, that what you get most passionate about and what most concerned about is what's going to get to you. So maybe we can take some inventory this morning. What, what's getting to you at the core? What's getting to you? Is, what, is getting to you where people are going to spend eternity or is it something else that doesn't really matter in eternity? Think about it. Many of you know the Salvation Army, you know, ring the bell out there during Christmas time, get your change, right? But General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this. He said, if he had it his way, he wished part of the final training for Christians going into the work of evangelism would be for them to dangle over hell for 24 hours. It wasn't so they would fear it for themselves because they had the hope of heaven. Rather, It was so they could see the reality of what awaits those who do not know Jesus. I have three girls. Oldest ones here sitting with us this morning. She knows Jesus. But my middle one and the one youngest doesn't know Jesus. Is that the biggest thing that gets to me? The reality of if they were like dangling over hell, like that's what awaits them, not only hell, but most importantly, separation from Jesus. Would that be the biggest thing that gets to me? Would it be? Is that it? It's the biggest thing that gets to you, your coworkers, your friends, your relatives, those people around you that don't know Jesus. Is it? Let's hear Paul's heart this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 9. Or if you got your Bible apps, or if you just want to direct your attention to the screen, it'll be on this screen. But Romans chapter 9, I'm going to read five verses this morning. Because I know you all are wide awake. Thought about having you stand the whole entire time. Just kidding. Romans chapter 9, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons, there's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and promises. There's are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever praised. Amen. Here's one question that I want us to ask ourselves this morning is, what would our conscience say about our hearts towards lost people? what would our conscience say deep down what would your conscience say like if I were to pull up Brian Broom who was leading us in worship a second ago and I had Brian Broom stand up here and he's standing up here and I would begin to interview him and I would say Brian do you have a heart towards lost people and if he's like yes would his conscience confirm that if I were to bring y'all up one by one and have you stand here and say hey Do you have a heart towards lost people and where they spend their eternity? And you were to say, yes, would your conscience confirm that? Because Paul's saying right here, he's saying, man, I speak the truth in Christ. Like, I'm not lying to you guys whatsoever. The Holy Spirit would confirm that. Like, you can sit me in a chair up here. You can hook me up to a polygraph machine. And I'm telling you right now, it would confirm that I have a heart towards lost people. There would not be one lie that would show up. Would we be able to say the same exact thing? Would your conscience say you're saying one thing, but you're living something else? Because many times we want to say, yes, I have a heart towards lost people, but are actions backing that up? Are they? What would be the truth? What would it be? May we ask ourselves that. Here's the second question. Do we have a sorrow for the lost? Paul goes on to say, he says, I have a great sorrow. That word sorrow right there is the word lupe in Greek, which means like a great mourning or to mourn, like a person who mourns. Do we have a great sorrow Like lost people should weigh heavy on our hearts. Heavy to the point of, like he says in here, a great sorrow to where, when was the last time that we shed a tear over someone who doesn't know Jesus? When was the last time? Like when was the last time that I'm in my own prayer time and I'm down on my knees and I'm like, God, my middle daughter Mackenzie doesn't have a relationship with you. She's in the back right now and she's being taught. And God, I pray with all my heart that, man, as they're pointing her to Jesus, as I'm daily trying to point her to Jesus, God, I pray with everything in me that she's overwhelmed by your kindness and your goodness. And God, she is going to come to know you. God, I just pray, I beg you, allow her to come to know Jesus. Jesus. When was the last time? Because tears lead to victories. I really believe that. Share this with you. I had a great aunt who didn't know Jesus. She grew up in California. She moved over here to live with my grandmother, which now my parents live in her house. And I'll never forget in college, I would call her, And I'd have to do an interview for an apologetics class and ask someone who didn't know Jesus all these questions just to see where they're coming from. And she'd answer these questions and she would tell me point blank. She would say, I don't believe there's a heaven or a hell. She would say all of these things. And it would grieve me, it would impact me. I'm like, how in the world can someone not believe there's a heaven or a, like, where do you think you're gonna go, like, what do you believe about Jesus? Where, where have we gone wrong, or where have I gone wrong in my witness to you, like, what is going on? I'll never forget, even later on in college, I got so burdened as I began to bring her up more and more, I'll never forget calling her one time, and I was just in tears, like I could barely get my words out over the phone. She's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I'm crying because you don't know Jesus. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus and I'll never forget her responding. She says, Michael, it's okay. I'm like, it's not. It's not okay. It's not okay that you don't know Jesus. I know what awaits you. I don't want you to miss out on the greatest thing ever Jesus Himself meeting Him in heaven one day. Like, I don't want you to miss out on that. She's like, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. It's not. And that burdened me, like, I had a great sorrow. And here's Paul. He's like, man, I have a great sorrow because he's just got through explaining as we've learned, even the weeks prior, we've learned about this love that nothing can separate us from his love. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And he didn't keep his son from us, but he gave him up for us. And it was while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And, like, Paul is overwhelmed by this. And he's like, man, I don't want anybody to miss out on this. Like, I have a great sorrow for these people. I have a cute sorrow. So how do we, like, get emotional or get our hearts attached to people who don't know Jesus? We must invest money, time, and energy if we're going to get emotional about them. Are we investing our time, money, and energy into people who don't know Jesus? Because that's when our hearts are going to get attached to it. It says, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Paul says, I have great sorrow. He even takes it a step further, and he says, not only do I have a great sorrow, but he says, I have unceasing anguish. So we need to ask ourselves even this morning, do we have an unceasing anguish for the lost? Like, right now, it's tearing us up. Yesterday, it tore us up. Last week, it tore us up. A month ago, it tore us up. Like, we can't let it go. We can't shake it. Like, we must see people come to know Jesus. Like, it is in us. Paul's like, it's not going away. It's continual. It eats at him every single day. Like, I want people to come to know Jesus. What if we had that burden when we woke up? I don't want this to be a message of, man, I feel guilty, man, and I really want a heart. No, I want you to have a heart for, G- for Jesus and his people 24-7. Paul wants you to not, not just have a one-time burden, but a continual burden. He says, I want you to have unceasing anguish, this continual anguish. Because if we have an unceasing anguish, I really believe that we'll do something about it. But we must have an unceasing anguish a lot of times in order for us to do something about it. So, how do we develop a heart for the lost? How do we develop this like, great sorrow? Because you're like, Hux, I'm not there. I don't have a sorrow. Like, I don't have this unceasing anguish. Like How do I do that? I'm going to give you something that's monumental and probably going to blow your brain. Here it is. Pray. Our lost people on our prayer list, people who don't know Jesus, are they on our prayer list? Why wouldn't that be one of our main priorities as we're praying for our own spiritual development, our own repentance in our life, and us loving our own family? Like, why wouldn't our own kids be our top priority? But then why wouldn't people around us be a top priority in our prayer time to pray for it? How can you do that? I always want to give you practical steps. I'm going to show you a picture of my nightstand right by my bed in my own house. There it is. There's a picture on there, there's the chargers, and then there's a tissue box. This is what I want to encourage you to do. Some of you have a tissue box that's on your nightstand. Some of you have one that's in your kitchen. Some of you have one that's on the dining room table. Some of you have one that's in your bathroom. This is what I want you to do. On that tissue box, I want you to write the person who doesn't know Jesus who you're going to pray for. So I'm going to write my name down, I'm going to tell you the person that I'm praying for right now. Okay? That's a person that I'm praying for right now. That I know that doesn't know Jesus. Many of you might even know. Him. He might even be here right now in this service. And I'm telling you right now, that's who I'm praying for. Because I love him dearly with everything in me. I know his parents, I know his sister. Then I'm praying for him because I love him so much. I do. But maybe, hey, you want to add another person, you want to fill it up and have five people and check this out, what you can do when you're around the dining room table and you're beginning to like have a meal. You look at the tissue box and your kids might even ask you like, mom, dad, why do you have that name written on the tissue box? You're not supposed to write on the tissue box. That's who I'm praying for. I work with them. I I see them and man, I I want us to pray for them, and you begin to invite them in that conversation and invite them to join you in praying for that person who doesn't know Jesus so that you can have an unceasing anguish so that you can have a continual burden that it doesn't go away, and then one day, check this out, when they come to know Jesus, you can circle it and then put the date on there and then put another one on there how can you have an unceasing anguish and a burden? We can pray. Because when we spend time with Jesus, his burdens will become our burdens. And if there's anybody who had a burden and a heart for the lost, it was Jesus. He knows he came to seek and save that which was lost, like he came to save us. See, you can even take it a step further. I didn't take it a step further but maybe you can even put a picture of hell or you can put flames on there some of you are like man you might be going overboard no listen what if we like kept in mind the terrible reality of those and what they will experience if they don't know Jesus we had that on our minds so we must pray we must have that reality in our heads and here's the next thing we must go to lost people must go to them. I know I'm giving you all these like revolutionary ideas. We must pray for them. We must keep what it awaits them in mind. And man, we must go to them. Many of the people around me know, because even the students know, I posted on the Instagram story that I work out at this gym called Orange Theory Fitness all the way in Mount Dora. It takes me 25 minutes to get there in the mornings and 25 minutes 30 to get back. And some of you are like, you're crazy. Don't you know gas is 450? Right? I know that. I do. But two years ago, I decided to join this gym called Orange Theory Fitness for this reason. Because I was a pastor on staff that just stayed in my church bubble. I'd hang out with church people, I'd do church functions, and I never was rubbing shoulders with lost people. I was the biggest hypocrite. Like I was telling students like, hey, reach your friends for Jesus. Like invite somebody. And I had to ask myself, when was the last time I've even had a relationship or interacted with anyone who doesn't know Jesus? But man, when I joined Orange Theory Fitness, I started hanging around coaches that don't talk like me. I'm like, whoa, you just said that? Okay, easy. When she's working out, she can't lift that weight and she just dropped that word. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, she just said that, right? They start having these conversations of coming in and man, I drank too much last night trying to work out this morning. I'm like, okay, all right. I was having these relationships begin to develop with these people because they begin to follow me on social media. I begin to follow them. I started getting into their life to impact their life and go towards them so I could develop a heart for them. I didn't do this research, someone else did. But only 8% of Jesus' miracles were performed in synagogues, only 8% of his miracles were performed in the church. of his ministry was done outside the church. I'm grateful to be a part of a church over the last eight months that I've found out that doesn't do ministry just inside the church but does a lot for the community because that's the only way we're going to reach the community if we go to the community. If we start loving on some teachers, if we start loving on some people in need. Jesus didn't wait for lost people to come to him. He went to them. You constantly read, Jesus went out, Jesus went out, Jesus went out, went to people. Because closeness with people develops a compassion for people. It's it's hard for me to have a heart for you if I don't get close to you. But when I get close to you and I start learning your story, man, I start being impacted by it. So Paul says, man, I have this great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. And this is where he just takes it a step further to where I'm just like, I don't know if I'm Paul when it comes to this. He says in verse 3, he says, For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. What? What? Paul says, you know what, I would rather be in hell if it means for somebody else to go to heaven. I would rather be cut off if it means somebody else could experience an eternal relationship with Jesus. Here's a question that someone said to me as I was having coffee with him the other day. He says, how long is your list of people that you would go to hell for? I'm like, my list is like this. But here's just Paul writing this letter and he's saying, you know what? I wish myself were cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, for them to experience a relationship with Jesus. He's like, man, my list goes on and on. I want people to know Jesus. Like, I'm willing to sacrifice anything and everything. So the fourth question we need to ask ourselves is, what what would I sacrifice for others to be saved? It's going to come at a cost. It came at a cost for Jesus in order for us to have a relationship with him. He sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. There was no sacrifice too great. But some of us, is going to sacrifice time. It's going to sacrifice energy in order for people to come to know Jesus. But we have to understand no sacrifice is too great. That sacrifice is going to be worth it in order for someone to come to know Jesus. I'll give just a practical example. This is what Ray Comfort said. He said, if our neighbor's house was on fire and we knew they were in the house at the time, we would sound the alarm, yell, shout burst the door down and do anything and everything that we could do in order for them to get out of the house and escape to safety? People all around us, their house is on fire. Are we going to kick down the door and do anything and everything for them to escape the reality of hell that awaits for them? Are we? Because we're not thinking of ourselves in the moment. We're thinking, i got to get them out of the house. I've got to get them. I've got to lead them to Jesus. I've got to do anything and everything. Because that's what matters when it's all said and done. I can't take anything else to heaven with me but people and people alone and that's it. Not possess- possessions, you name it. But people. I'll end by showing you this clip in just a second from a movie called Hacksaw Rich. Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. But to kind of give you just a little bit of a summary of the movie. It's about a guy in World War II that won the Medal of Honor for saving 75 men by not firing a single shot. He was willing to give up his life so that others would be saved. Saving 75 people. Not firing a single shot in World War II, but in the movie, he says this phrase over and over and over again that I feel is so fitting for the passage this morning. So if you go watch this clip.
1: You up? Okay. I'm ready to get out of here? I sure am. Please, Lord, help me get one. More.
0: I don't know if you heard what he kept saying in the movie over and over and over again. Lord, help me get just one more. I tell y'all this morning that I'm here and I stand here before you because someone said, Lord, help me get just one more. Just one more. I'm thankful because of someone who's dear to me in my own life Of my own mom who led me to Jesus. I don't know who your one is. Don't What if that was our reality? We woke up every single day and we said, Lord, help me get one more. Lord, help me get one more. And we begin to get one more. Next thing you know, 20 people come to know Jesus. Next thing you know, 40 people come to know Jesus. Next thing you know, we're just like the movie, 75 people are saved and come to know Jesus. And we just keep adding people. And we keep adding people and we do one more and we do one more and we get to check them off and we get to say, you know what? They get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus because we said, please Lord, one more. God, just give me one more. What would happen? Just one more. Just one more. I'm going to talk about a revival that would take place in Fruitland Park cities all around if we as a church as a body said Lord let me get one more our conscience could confirm it that we'd be just like Paul I have such great sorrow and unceasing anguish that I myself wish I was cut off from Christ so others could come to know Jesus God just give me one more I don't care how inconvenient it might be, how much it might cost me, but I just want one more to come know Jesus. Church, we can do it. We can. What should get to me is where people will spend eternity. Let me pray. God this morning I'm super grateful and thankful for the fact that you left the 99 in search of the one and God I was that one who was lost who was far from you and God you pursued me God you didn't give up on me and God I pray maybe if there's somebody who's Given up on someone, God, they wouldn't give up on them. God, I pray you would bring people to mind that we can go home and write the name on a tissue box, write that name somewhere so that we can put our minds on them and God begin to circle their name and praise God one day and even maybe rejoice as a family that they came to know Jesus. But God, help us get just one more for your glory. But God, I pray for that person who's maybe here this morning in search of a Savior, in search of a heavenly Father that will never leave them nor forsake them. God, they're in search of that thing that God will satisfy them. God, I pray they would see it's you and you alone. God, they would turn from their sin and God, they would turn to you and they would surrender their lives to you. They wouldn't wait a second. They wouldn't waste a moment. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in your church this morning. pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to sing a song. And as we sing this song this morning, I want to invite you. Maybe God's laid someone on your heart. I want to invite you. You can come up and kneel and pray for them. Maybe you're here and you need someone to pray with. I'm always available. I'll be standing up front over here. would love to pray with you. But this morning, may you respond with how the Holy Spirit leads you to respond. May I invite you to stand and sing with us this morning. Let's stand and sing.
1: I just wanna speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus your name is power. Your name is healing, your name is life, break every stronghold, shine through the shadow. In every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus
0: God we know the joy and knowing you we know the peace and knowing you and God we want others to experience the same exact thing we don't others we don't want others to miss out on the biggest blessing in their life being you and you alone God, we know we exist for you and your glory. And God, I pray you would us and we would as a church continue to have this continual burden for people around us who don't know Jesus. God, we don't want it to be a one-time thing, but we want it to be an everyday thing. God, because we've been so impacted by your love. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in the life of your church. Probably sings things, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Hope you guys have a great spring break and we will see you next week.